Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. Yet another sort of bonus episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast, because today we are talking all about WWDC, recapping Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference, both from the user perspective, as well as my perspective as a developer, someone who develops apps. We've got a guest today, Brian Sajik, who is kind of our Fox Nomad Podcast iOS guru, so he's here. Just a couple of things before we get to the interview. I wanted to mention that Brian did write a guest post recently on foxnomad.com all about moving to Chicago for college. And if you are moving to Chicago for college or know someone who is, or maybe your kids are, it's an article I think it's worth checking out. Plus some good recommendations for cafes, places to work, for you know whether or not you're a student or not, if you're a digital nomad or you're just you're just working from home now because a lot of people are and you're looking for some cafes to maybe get some work done when things open up, then uh, the article has a lot of good information in there as well for that. So just a quick uh, kind of primer on WWDC. Basically, WWDC is Apple's developer conference. It's really focused on software and not so much on hardware. They announce new things that are coming out for iOS 14 for the new iPad OS, for Mac OS, and so on. So it's really the first day is a keynote of about two hours that makes all these different announcements. And then throughout the week, they have these developer workshops, which basically brush developers up on implementing some of the new features that were debuted in the keynote, maybe giving suggestions. And there are these one-on-one sessions as well, suggestions on all kinds of things, working with developers on how to make their apps work better with the new features, work with the app store, marketing, and so on. So there's a video up on YouTube now that I made that recaps WWDC, the highlights, um, because it's hard to kind of get really into the weeds because it's two hours of announcements. And there are a couple of different things that are in that video, as well as we're going to talk about with Brian, that weren't mentioned on stage at WWDC, but I've gotten to see now both through these workshops, but also just going into the weeds of what's new in iOS because there are public betas now out for iOS that you can try. So you can actually download the beta, which for most people I don't recommend because they're not really production ready. So they they tend to be a little bit buggier. They tend to have some issues. So I don't recommend that you download the public beta unless you are just a super fan and you don't mind things maybe not working completely properly on your iPhone. But it's out there and it's out there if you're testing, developing, or just reviewing stuff on YouTube, uh, which a little bit of, or just a little bit of both, you know, that works as well. So I hope you enjoy this. We take a real deep dive into what's coming up for Apple in the rest of the year, recapping WWDC. So I think the best way to start is to your overall impression from the, just what did you think? This is the first time they've done it online. So I kind of loved it. I think they should start doing it like this. I think going around the park in the way that they did it was really fun. Um, you got to like meet a lot of different people, um, most of which you kind of already knew. But I thought I really enjoyed it this year. It was like a movie that was already made. There was no, I don't know. I really liked how it was done. It was like very entertaining. Um, and the actual like, content of course is the most important thing and i am really excited for all these huge updates for apple i think they just continue to make like all of their software better and better and i hope that it um 
I hope that it, it, it turns out to be just like as amazing as they have presented it because it seems pretty good. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, so I guess for people who don't know, it's WWDC is the Worldwide Developers Conference, which is kind of unusual for conferences because developer conference is basically the people who make apps and applications. It's who it's for, really. They don't usually drop new hardware. They've done it in the past occasionally. But it's kind of because it's an Apple event, like normally like a developer conference shouldn't really be a big deal for, unless you're a developer. So basically for us on the people who develop apps, it's kind of, we get kind of hints coming up to WWDC in updates to Xcode, which is the, the, the program you use to write iOS apps. And then WWDC is when they go, here's what's coming up in iOS 14, the new iPad OS, and so on. And what a lot of people don't know is to go to WWDC, you have to apply, and then you have to pay $1,500. So it's, it's basically you have to apply. I don't know what their selection process is, and then you have to pay to go there. So it's kind of nice that they did it online. Yeah, yeah. And the transitions, like the video was just like developer conferences are supposed to be boring, but this was actually fun to watch. Like, yeah, pure visually. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was really fun. I did not know you had to pay that much. It's crazy. Yeah. And I was hoping to go this year. I was like, oh, maybe this will be the year. I mean, obviously that was last year. I was like, I should probably go, Mm -hmm. but I kind of like this better because you can digest everything and then it's like, boom, like I put out a video yesterday, highlights of WWDC and mm-hmm. see everything and it's good. So, yeah. What do you think? I think we should break this down because there was a lot. It's two hours, basically. It was like a two hour keynote. Um, and Apple just, and I'm all over the place, sorry, but Apple just put out a video recapping day two and then they pulled it after 13 minutes. But I know what they talked about. I saw the video <laughs> and I was in the, the workshop. So I'll share that later. But top three things out of the whole two hours, what do you think? What are your top three Apple announcements? Um, okay. So I think, I mean, these are all very little things that I'm really excited about, like that are probably going to affect my life the most, which is why I'm most excited about them. I think Um, Picture in picture on iPhone is going to be really great because I'm always, always, always on FaceTime with people and being able to like use my phone and not have to like pause them and all this stuff is going to be great. Plus, like just watching videos, sometimes I want to like scroll through Twitter as I'm like watching a YouTube video or um, a Netflix movie, anything like that. I think that's going to be really great for me. Um, Also, spatial audio on AirPods Pro is just like so exciting and cool and I don't even have AirPods Pro but like now I might have to get some because I mean that that seems like one of the coolest like things that they released kind of like this this update I'm really excited for for that um and then another thing that I think is going to be like really beneficial for like a lot of people is like the app clips thing I think that's really awesome because a lot of times like I'll find myself at like a coffee shop or a um all like be wanting to rent a bike or a scooter in chicago but like it involves an app and you have to like load all your information you have to like make an account and i'm like standing on the street like downloading an app putting in all my information like taking like five minutes 
just like standing there waiting to rent a bike or whatever. Whereas now, hopefully, I'll just be able to like tap my phone, get like enough of the app, and just be on my way. So I think those like three things are they're pretty small things, but um, those are what I'm kind of really excited for. Um, but obviously, like the um, the updates coming to like Macs and and all the watch OS stuff and everything is going to be also amazing. <laughs> yeah. So my top three is similar to yours. I think picture in picture is probably like, it's just so useful because I watch pretty much. I just watch YouTube. Like it's just running on my phone all the time. Like I listen to podcasts. I usually watch the clips and all that stuff. So just being able to move around basically, you know, like shrink that screen, which is an Android thing, but that's cool. This whole WWDC was let's take, stuff from android which is totally fine they took good stuff all right that's what's gonna happen second thing for me is the spatial audio which is basically they're using software and some of the hardware in the ipad sorry ipad uh, airpods pro Mm -hmm. to basically create the effect of surround sound and like for me when i was at ces earlier in the year it went to uh, Jabra, which makes microphones and headphones. They had this booth. And what they would do is they had an app and they would play like different tones through some ear headphones. So your left ear, right ear, and you would tap what you could hear and what you couldn't. Obviously, if you couldn't hear it, it would just go on to the next thing. And it would create this like profile about your, your hearing, like how your ears work. And everybody's ears, it's based on age, gender, know what kind of stuff you listen to everybody's got a unique sound hearing profile and what it does is it it calibrates whatever you're listening to to those you know headphones for your particular ear and the difference i could swear that they had just cranked up the volume and turned up like just made it sound incredible like the 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 difference was massive and this is Jabra, they make microphones, they make hearing aids, so it makes sense that they would do this kind of stuff. But I'm guessing Apple now, and they, they were doing this with headphones that were like $100. AirPods Pro 2 is probably coming out. I mean, they're earbuds, so it's not this, you know, the, the quality is like not a huge difference, but I would like to see what that sounds like using Apple's basically software and hardware. I think it's going yeah. to be amazing. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to do it do it very well. And I actually think like they do something similar like that, like the testing. I was like looking it up because that's like again one of my favorite features and I that they that they released and I was looking it up and it said it, there was they like mentioned something about like the fact that you're going to sort of like have like a sort some sort of oral testing um like to check and i guess to calibrate sort of similar to jabra and how they did that so that that will hopefully um make it even better and like more specific to the user yeah i think a lot of people don't realize like when you get like beats for example are super bass heavy um and so headphones are sound different not all sound that comes out of headphones it's just calibrated different like beats are super bass heavy specifically like they want to create that that kind of sound the ones I'm wearing right now, the Audio Technica MX50, 50 MXT, they're basically super flat. They're there for editing audio. So 
sound profile is as kind of pure as it can be. So it doesn't sound great, but like you can hear very detailed stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the spatial audio, and they were, they were demoing it. Like if you're watching something on your iPad and you turn your iPad sideways, then it's going to make the sound seem like it's coming side, you know, like to your left or your right or whatever, which is pretty cool. Crazy, crazy. And that's the kind of thing you can do when you're a software company and you also make all the hardware, which kind of leads me to my, it's, it's a tough one, but I think the third biggest announcement was Apple is going to now start making their own chips. Yeah. yeah. Which there are a lot of, it's a, it's basically a huge, huge change. Um, and I think what a lot of people don't realize is what that change is going to mean. Mm-hmm. But you know, people were talking about like performance, it's going to be faster, like more efficient, but also means you're going to be able to run iOS and iPad apps on Mac OS natively. Like, so can't you Snapchat on your, on your MacBook right now? You're, you're going to be able to with this new chip architecture. Yay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's going to be amazing. It's just like built for their own devices. Like there's no, there's going to be no way that they, that anyone else could do it better. I mean, it's just going to like, the ecosystem is already amazing between all devices, but now like it's going to be just like one seamless system and it already kind of is. So I just like, can't wait for this change. Yeah. Because when you make your own hardware, like, you know, everybody knows like windows can run on a whole bunch of different types of machines. And then Mac OS only runs on, on you know laptops basically mac apple laptops and when you do that you can just fine tune the software to work as well as it possibly can with the chip and it's like the iphone it doesn't have the most memory of other flagship phones like not even i don't want to say not even close but if you look at the spec sheet like an iphone isn't the fastest it shouldn't be the fastest phone or have the most memory or anything like that but because apple makes the chips in the iphone and the ipad they can tweak the software to run perfectly for it they don't have to worry about making it run with the samsung phone and a huawei phone and whatever like they can just tweak it they also make those those chips are also really fast and very cool and i mean cool in the literal sense that they don't produce as much heat as an intel chip um and so that's going to mean, I think the, the, the laptop that's going to make, see the most gain out of that is going to be the MacBook Air. I think the new MacBook Airs are going to be really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have the new MacBook Air, like the, the most recent one and it's, it's fast, but she gets overheated pretty quick. So, um, and I know that that was like one of the actual bigger problems is like the way that they have the fans set up. Um, and so like it, the fans tend to run sooner than they really should um because the chip gets so hot because I, I have like the upgraded um like the the quad core and so uh it tends to like overheat sooner than it should and then the fans are running and i'm like i'm just on zoom and watching a youtube video at the same time like you know what i mean but um i really think it's a really fast computer but i really think like once apple starts developing like their own chips or once they start really getting use out of them yeah like the air is going to be is going to be incredibly um, efficient, I think. Yeah, and they said 
So they still have, so basically Apple now uses Intel chips. I remember when they were using PowerPC in 2000, I think five is when they switched, 2005 or six. Um, and so then they moved to Intel and that was a huge deal because then you could run, you could basically run, um, you could load like Windows, for example, on Mac machines. It was a huge deal at the time where people were doing, running parallels and dual booting and all that. Um, but this is an even bigger change. It's, it's an even bigger change because now they have the phones ecosystem, the tablet ecosystem. Plus, they, Tim, I think Tim Cook said, oh yeah, we still have a couple of MacBooks with Intel chips in the pipeline that are coming out by the end of the year. So they're going to have to support Intel probably for four years like they did with PowerPC. Yeah. But I'm going to guess a little bit longer than that because... Because, yeah. I mean, the Macs, la Macs last so long. So unless you're like a techie or someone who really needs the most updated computer, people aren't going to really upgrade until they need to because I'm sure most people aren't going to even really know or understand like what them making their own chip really is going to mean. So, yeah, I think the average consumer is not going to care. Like in, in terms of they're not going to, they don't, I would say most people probably don't care or won't understand what the change means. I think mm -hmm. the biggest thing they'll understand is I can now run iPhone apps on my Mac, on my new MacBook, whenever the first uh, Intel Silicon chip comes out. Yeah. Which confused yeah. me. Is it silicon or silicon? Is it the same word? But I noticed that they were very specific to say silicon. Everybody said that. So I, I yeah. looked it up and I, th I think you can say it either way, but it, it's clear that Apple wants you to say silicon. So Right. Silicon it is then. That's what Apple wants. <laughs> but for something that users will care about more, I think widgets on iPhone on iOS 14 is one of the bigger things. Yeah. So you can now create these widgets and you can create widgets, smart, smart stacks. So you can create widgets that'll change. Basically what a widget is, it's, it's, it's like a, it's almost like, um, well, how would you describe it? A, a widget. A mini version of the app that shows like just the most important stuff that you can like access without opening it kind of. Yeah. So imagine if you have an iPhone now and you've got four apps combine those into one. So we're talking about the size of like four apps combined into one. And then imagine the weather app, which is a good example. And then you've got your little sun with a cloud in there, um, the temperature, maybe the three-day forecast or something like that. And if you do, you know, stocks is another one that they used as an example. Mm -hmm. uh, fitness, tracking, heart rate, that kind of stuff. Music, photos, yeah. So you can see do a lot more with these widgets again android thing but yeah totally cool with that it's fine yeah um yeah i think what um a lot of people i saw on twitter actually a lot of um like my generation people that like didn't go to wwdc or anything i think a lot of them thought like that was what their new home screen was going to look like and they like had to choose it and there was some complaining going on and i was like no 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 no, no. like you don't have to put them in if you don't want them but they're really cool. I don't know why you wouldn't want them. Like some of your favorite apps, I'm sure that you go to all the time, like especially like music and fitness and things like that. Like why would you not want to have a widget for that? It's going to be, it's going to just make the iPhone even more customizable, which yeah, is pretty much an Android thing because they've been able to do that for a long time. But. 
Yeah, and if you look at like an iPhone now, like iOS 13, it's pretty dated. Like it looks pretty much like the first first iPhone, really. I mean, there's not that much difference. Mm-mm. You know, the the icon the apps icons are just they're just there, static. You can't really do much with them, and you know it's not as useful. Like when you, we all pick up our phone like a million times a day, so it's really useful to just pick it up, see the temperature or your calendar notifications or whatever, and have that just kind of there on that that screen. And then now we've got video and video. Siri doesn't take up the whole screen anymore. You can't use the screen when you call up Siri, but she doesn't take up the whole screen. And phone calls don't take up the whole screen anymore either. Why was that ever a thing is my biggest question. (laughs) Why why has that been a thing until now? I mean, like, seriously, the amount of times I'm like, look, I just don't want to talk to this person. Let me just, like, let it ring. But I'm just, like, sitting there waiting (laughs) to continue whatever I'm doing. Now I can just swipe it away or whatever. But, yeah, that'll be so nice. And Siri, same thing. Like, I... I really would use Siri on my watch more than my phone if I needed information because I would be doing something on my phone and I'm like, well, if I use Siri, I'm going to like pause whatever I'm doing for like 15 seconds, which like doesn't sound that long. But, you know, if you're just just trying to check emails or text someone back or something like, you know, it, it, it it's just going to make it so much nicer and more seamless. Yeah, when they showed, they, they, they were basically showing what it looks like on an iPad now when you get a phone call or a FaceTime or whatever. <laughs> And the whole screen is just taken over. And then there's like three icons. It's like pick up, hang up, you know, decline, whatever. And then there's the, the picture of the actual person. And, it, and it's the whole screen is just gone. You can't use your, 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 all this iPad screen real estate that you have. It's kind of ridiculous. And I, I can't believe it took them this long to make that change. I know. I know. Seriously, that's crazy. And same thing with iPhone too. So that change is coming to iPhone. And there was kind of this blending of iPhone, iOS, iPad OS, Mac OS now is kind of going that way. So from a developer, from my perspective, if I wanted to take some of my apps and put them on Mac OS, it's built into Xcode. I could theoretically move them over. But it's not always, it's not as seamless as I want. And, you know, my apps are kind of, specific for a phone, you know, the layouts yep. and everything, but it's possible. But now that these Apple Silicon chips are coming, I don't even know if it's worth it to make a Mac OS version to spend the time to develop it. Because to be honest, it's something that was, a lot of people were requesting. Um, it just seemed, you know, it just seemed like a lot of development effort. So I haven't done it and I'm kind of like, Sweet. In two years, I don't have to do it now. I'm sorry, yeah. everybody who asked me for it. I might still do it if I, you know, if I get around to it. But it's it's kind of nice. Yeah, I mean that'll be that'll be great. I think for a lot of developers because I'm sure a lot of them are in similar similar situations where they want to develop for macOS, but this is so much work. Even if it is sort of automatically would be translated through Xcode or whatever, um, like it's still going to take a lot of tweaking and and changes on your part so i don't think i mean the people i don't really know like if i'm looking for wi-fi passwords in an airport and i'm walking through an airport i'm not going to pull out my macbook and be like looking for it i'm going to be on my phone so um maybe watch os though maybe that's what you need to work on <laughs> i 
That's Let's just I say that the Fox Nomad team is busy. Let's just put it that way. Okay, great, great. <laughs> you know, that's what I, that's what I love. Yeah, I mean, the, the things that take up the most time in development are like these small, annoying design things, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I hate doing. And the small team that I have probably hates doing as well. You know, just trying to like fit things in different screens and Apple's gotten better at that. In fact, like since iOS 13, they've gotten, they made it a lot easier to standardize icons, for example, which they brought up at WWDC. So they've got this, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's basically 14 or 1500 different standard icons. So mm -hmm. I can take that icon of a, of a star and put it in one of my apps. And then now it's going to work on all the devices, resized all the sizes. I don't have to actually create different sizes and so on, which you had to do before. So right. it, it makes it way easier. And I think, I think they're making these things easier for developers. It's not always seamless and Apple is not always the easiest to develop for, but surprisingly, um, you know their back end of the back end of the developer portals and stuff not very straightforward for developers but it's getting easier yeah i think so. that's super important i mean all of all of the things that developers develop like all the apps and everything are just so important and i think like it was a pain from everything i've heard a pain especially like once the uh what's it called the uh the little like the nook what's it called the thing in the uh, the like notch the yeah the notch the notch like once that was developed i knew that was like a pain for so many people and like developing like a version for ipad and all the different iphones and just so i'm, I'm hoping like they start to just really they seem to be starting to prioritize like how to make it easier on developers because in essence that's like kind of all of what you get an iphone for all the apps and like i don't know yeah, and they, they seem, I mean, I can see it on the back end. I can see kind of stuff that they're doing to make it easier for us to actually develop apps. And I think I said in the video I made yesterday, trying to resize a, an icon or a screen or something is, is so painful. It's just so boring. I think mean, things that have to be done. But the less time you spend doing that, the more you can actually make features and cool stuff that people actually want to use and that's way more fun and apple realized that too and now they're switching chips they know that they've got to make these transitions easier for developers yeah um so it's nice even like app clips should be fairly easy to make an app clip which is basically um like a stripped down version of an app so you go into a coffee shop i think there was a starbucks um what do you call it? Like a when they embed uh, what's that called? Um, product placement. Yeah, there was a Starbucks oh, product placement. WD, oh, WD. Oh, gotcha. So you don't have to download the Starbucks app. You can just use this app clip by tapping your phone. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff. It's it's more Androidy, but from a developer's point of view, it's uh, it's a lot more standardized you know, app developing for iOS is more standard. So it makes it easier over the long run. Mm -hmm. Whereas on Android, it's a lot more flexible. Like you, 
it's not as strict as to what you can't can't do to make something work, but um, it's not always it has its own share of of issues and stuff. So right, uh, and I think like everything Apple does is just like just it just looks better, it feels better, it just is seamless between devices, and I think that that's the one thing that really stands out. Um, compared to Android, uh, I know like a lot of people love Android phones, and that's great. Um, but I think like when it, most people, um, like the average person, like is just gonna love something that's seamless, easy to use, familiar. Because who doesn't have an iPhone at this point? Um, and just like, I don't know. I just I just think Apple tends to do things like even if it comes a little later, it just is is better and prettier and like nicer and just is familiar to all um apple users anyway so i think that's what's really exciting about like the widgets and the the app clips and all these sort of android-esque features Um, and yeah and like android can drop these major changes and to be fair to both android and ios there aren't too many major changes happening in the last couple of years because both systems are pretty mature now at this point they're really just taking little things kind of from each other and where the real changes are are in their app stores that's where you really add functionality to your phone but in the past android could completely just come out with something that was different it's so customizable you could skin all kinds of different versions of android so there's a lot of ways to change but that means it's not very consistent uh the latest android is the betas are out when will anybody get those we don't know. Whereas iOS 13, it goes out to basically all the phones and iOS 14 is going to go out to all the phones from 6S and above. And I think something like 95 or 93% of people are using iOS 13 who have an iPhone. So it's, it's really standard across uh, the thing. I was going to bring this up. Apple events, sometimes they come across as creepy to me. Do you get that from just watching the people talk? They just seem like holograms, like they're not yeah. real people, right? Did oh, you get that? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. They're like literally like robots. It's crazy. I mean, it's just, I think, I guess they just like rehearsed everything down to a T because they were just like saying their lines, like, look, I mean, it, was, it was crazy. I don't know. But yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And just like the whole setup, it just seems like some sort of like dystopian, like, society i don't know it's crazy but yeah, yeah it seems like they explain something and then they're you know you're gonna for example now you can in the next year's bmw you can have add car keys i was 14 and get into your car but it seems like as soon as that lady got into the car and you know she was like you can even bring your kids here and then as soon as you get in there they're gonna kill you or something it just <laughs> seems really like it's like a, almost like this weird horror movie i know i know that was i remember that part too i was like oh god that's that's scary, but that feature is amazing. The fact that you can just text a car key to someone, like, come on, that's that crazy. is that is pretty cool. I have to say, yeah, it's gonna take again like a long time for that to become fully. I think in a lot of people's households, um, probably like honestly, probably like a good decade or so. Because if the first car that's coming out with it is is next year or later this year, whatever they said. And it's only one kind of car that's like pretty expensive. People aren't going to like go and flock and upgrade their cars just to get that feature. But hopefully it'll become 
like available. I mean, I'm sure it'll become available on like so many more cars in the coming years, obviously, and that's what they said, but um, but that's like a really exciting feature. I, I think that's awesome that you can just text someone a car key and they can tap into your car and drive. It's and you can limit, you know, how, what time somebody, like if you have kids, this is a good one, what times they can use the car. I, I'd be interested to see how they manage the security of that. But for people who are listening, pretty much you have your wallet on your phone anyway at this point, you know, so the security that's there, if it's good enough for your financial details, it's going to be good enough for your car. And yeah. it's going to be a lot safer. I'd say a lot safer, but a lot more secure than actual car keys, which you can lose and drop and someone can, you know, just steal from you and all right. that kind of stuff. So I, uh, I'm looking over my notes. I'm going to jump around. Yes. I did make a note about the app library, which I think didn't seem to me. It was, so the app library, I should explain these things before I go. The app library is essentially what it lets you do. Actually, there's two things. One, most people have pages of apps, three, four, five, however many pages of apps. And as they pointed out in WWDC, you never get, most people don't go past really the first page or the second page. So you can now hide all those extra app pages. Okay, cool. App library is essentially an automatic grouping of your apps. So most, I think I, I took a screenshot, it was frequently used. Um, uh, what was it? Fitness, I think was one of them. So it kind of groups your apps. Cool. It's just sort of automatically, which it seems like a great way that you just have a bunch of apps that you'll never remember that you have on your phone. It seemed to me, it didn't seem that great. Yeah, I didn't, I mean, I kind of like the fact that you can like take away the pages because I, I definitely need that because I have, an, I don't need all the pages like always on my phone, but also I don't really care because I only use my first three pages. So if I want them, I can just swipe. So I'm like, I don't really know. But yeah, then it, it's, it's just easier to like, kind of like lose track of all the apps you have because I mean, I do that all the time. Sometimes I'll go through and I'll be like, what are all these apps that I have? Let me cleanse what I don't use and I'll delete them all that I don't use. And then like a week later, I'll end up like needing it. And I'm like, what? Like I haven't used it for a year. So I just, I mean, maybe it's going to be good for some people, but I mean, I personally don't think it's going to be that beneficial, but if, you know, if it works for some people, I guess having that option is nice. Yeah. So now that you say that, I don't, I don't think you can still do this, but I don't like, sometimes I don't delete apps that I need to delete simply. So an app, that I do use stays in the same location on an, on a page because I'm just so used to, you know, like, okay, the app is right there. Like click, boom, boom. I really wish they would bring that to iOS, which I pretty sure you still can't do, or you could just have like a blank row and then one app on the right. Or for people who are left-handed, for example, to have, you know, your apps on the, on the left side or right side or whatever, you know, however you hold your phone. So I wish you could do that. Yeah, that, they, I totally agree. Like there are apps that are on like my first page that I haven't opened in like years because I just have it all laid out in a way where I know the apps that I use. And if I would really want to delete it, I'd have to find one that I can replace it with that that matches matches the color because my pages are color coordinated. So. See, that's nice. And the widgets too. You can't you can't place a widget in the middle 
it either has to go on the left or the right. You can't place it in the middle of your apps. I know. Which it's like, come on, Apple. It's like, you're right there. Just go all the way. Just I know. And I don't I know. know why they would do that. From a technical point of view, there's no reason that they have to limit that. It doesn't make any sense to me why. Yeah, same. I don't know if they're trying to like, no, I, yeah, there's really no, there's really no answer. I, I have no idea, but all right. Maybe that's iOS 14.1 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the messaging stuff that I didn't really find for me, it wasn't that interesting, but I, the, the thing that I like the most about it is that you can um, reply to specific messages in a group chat. And like, in, in I think they said it was like inline replying. So like I could, choose out like a specific message that was sent like a, a few minutes ago or hours ago or whatever and i could reply to just that message which i think is really helpful because like a lot of times i'm i'm in like a ton of groups between like school like my entire class is in one text chat so there's always things coming in and if i like think oh i want to do that or i want to talk about this or i want to reply to this specifically instead of being like I'm responding to your text from an hour ago, Kara, but here is my response to that. It's just like, I can go to that message and just inline reply. I think that's really nice. And also like pinning messages at the top. I mean, that's like fine, I guess. I, I don't really see the need for that because I'm like, if those person, if those people are people you text all the time, then like they're already going to be on your like top, whatever, like seven or eight or nine or 10 messages that you can see when you open the app. So I don't really think that's that important, but um, it's, it's a good, it's a good, it's a cool option to have, I think. So you mentioned it earlier. So I think this is a good question. I think we can break this down generationally. Mm -hmm. You know, I can, I'm going to, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit older than you, Brian. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to go 20, 30 years in, in the future. So I, I have kind of a theory as to how 60 year olds using iPhones are going to re react to this. What I think we, we kind of, you and I kind of agree on the most interesting parts of iOS, I think. And to be yeah. honest, there wasn't anything like groundbreaking or anything earth shattering that they announced. Mm -hmm. And I think Apple, like you said, makes these tweaks so that people don't get all, that it's consistent. You know, it's just mm -hmm. easy to use and they're just going to make it as efficient as possible. Someone t tweeted me the other day, like, hey, you haven't changed your website in eight years. Why? Uh, and I was like, it's all about getting it to work at this point. It's all about efficiency. You know, once, once the design is set, you tweak. You don't want to make a huge overhaul. Right. And I think Apple does that with iOS. I'm going to think about like my parents. Um, I don't know if they're, they're not going to use widgets. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. I think the inline messaging, I could see them, them using that. I could yeah. see that. Um, app library, no way, not going to happen. I'm looking at my notes, other stuff, uh, Siri, I don't really use Siri, um, picture in picture. Nope. Not going to happen. Widgets. Nope. Like, yeah, I think messaging is going to be the main one. Yeah. I think. Yeah, probably, probably that would make sense. I mean, I don't think they're going to use app clips either. Maybe, actually, maybe. Yeah, app clips, yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, it's yeah. going to save a lot of people from, from downloading apps. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people want to use less apps. Um, so 
yeah it kind of makes sense like when you go into a store you want to use uh like ride share or something you don't want to get the app rent a bike or whatever um all right i'm gonna jump around a little bit because most of the ios things were pretty much ipad features as well yeah. it wasn't a whole lot different with ipad os honestly um airpods that was kind of a big thing switching not only the for the airpods pro you have the surround sound but for airpods and i'm gonna guess Air, airpods pro as well is gonna work with this let's say you listen to music on your phone and then you start watching something on your ipad it's gonna automatically switch the, your earbuds from phone to laptop to to tablet whatever ipad you know super small thing but really cool really cool i mean i i already i mean that i deal with that i'm so dramatic i deal with that no i mean i, I that's something that i would use every single day because i'm always switching between my phone and my mac for my airpods and so i'm always like waiting for i'm like clicking it waiting for it to load hearing the whoop or sometimes not and then i'm like oh my god i have to disconnect put them back in turn it off like all these things and so i'm really really looking forward to that update because that'll be really nice yeah and it's one of those things again that you can really only do if you control the hardware and the software mm -hmm. i can't think of another company that has this has the setup that apple has now right they, they're making the chips they're making mo they're making the important parts of the hardware i don't think and they're not making their own um you know hard drives and stuff no no probably not they're making their own chips you know the iphone basically they control all the hardware there they control the software and it opens up all these things that you can't do other companies can't do yeah uh, you know so it's 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 interesting to see where they take that. Do you use like when you get a call and it you know like a FaceTime? Do you use the feature like where you Bluetooth them, you connect them all, and then it's on your on your MacBook Air and then your iPad, for example? Do you use that at all? Like if if I get a call, it calls on all my devices. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if I get a call, it's my watch, my iPhone, my iPad, and my Mac. Um, I haven't really used my iPad too much recently. I don't really have a reason to. So that's kind of just been sitting in a corner. But yeah, I, I do. And I actually, I tend to prefer FaceTiming on my Mac, which none of my friends understand. Um, it just it is always more stable, the connection. And I don't know why. I'm in the same spot in my house on the same Wi-Fi. And it just seems to be way more stable than when I'm on my phone. Um, so I, even though the camera's actually horrible, coming in at 12 megapixels but um like I, t I tend to just pick up on my mac and then yeah if i'm listening to something on my iphone on my airpods i'm like hold on hold on hold on let me just like reconnect i'm like okay 30 seconds later i'm like all right go ahead <laughs> you know what i mean so i'm i'm looking forward to that i can tell you why it works better on your on any laptop tell me tell me two things size of the antenna is one, you can only fit so much antenna on an, on an iPhone, so the, the, the antenna bands. Also, when you're holding your phone in your hand, you're blocking some of the waves. Obviously, they put the antennas, they try to compensate for that, it doesn't always work. So the antenna's the first thing, and the second thing is power output. So an antenna, you know, for it, the more power you can put into it, the more data it can 
capture. So it's got a bigger range. Bigger range means that the, the range around your MacBook Air that gets a really strong signal is bigger than an iPhone. Great. That's fine. Thank you. Yep. That makes me feel better because everyone's like, why? And now I can tell them. There Great. you go. <laughs> it does make a difference. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, watch stuff. I don't, I don't have an Apple watch, but I thought it was, I don't know why I thought it was kind of neat that you could share the watch faces now and you, you can put, put up a website with watch faces and people can download them. I just thought, That's I thought that so, was interesting. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. I am so excited for that. Cause I, I mean, a lot of times I'm looking for like creative watch faces, fun watch faces, cool watch faces. And I don't, I'm like, I've run out of ideas by this point. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to like being able to download other people's and text other people with Apple watches, text them my um, watch face. I think that's going to be really fun. And like the hand washing thing is another feature. That's just, that's just crazy. Like Apple is crazy for that, but that is, I guess it's really good, honestly. <laughs> yeah. They rolled out this feature for people who didn't see it. I, you, you just, people should watch just the demo of what they showed. <laughs> So it's super 20. I wrote that three times, very 2020 in all caps, very 2020, later, very 2020. <laughs> Essentially, the Apple Watch now uses using a microphone to listen to the sound of running water. The gyroscope in the Apple Watch can detect your hand movements like you're washing your hands. It has this then timer that shows you basically that you're washing your hands for 20 seconds. And I think it'll, it'll tell you if you're not washing your hands properly too which was really funny because the guy was washing it the back of his hands in the demo. He was like washing it really weird, just the back. It was kind of a weird hand washing. And I know yeah. they wanted to show off the watch because normally when you wash your hands, your, your palms are up, right? And you're, you're, yeah. But he was trying to show the watch. Too, so it was kind of funny. It was just kind of like gently like washing the back of his hands. Like, Great. So I guess there's that, which seems probably the most gimmicky feature of all this stuff hand washing detection i mean oh my god i know i know i thought i mean that's just like a i mean it's not i mean it's gonna be i, I guess maybe good for some people but it's just kind of a joke like on their part like that's gotta be they can't take themselves seriously <laughs> when they're when they decided to to put that on every apple watch out there so but i think it's good and i mean there's other pretty good features i think that watch os like there's going to be more tracking for activity, which I think is really exciting because if I'm doing like a solely like an ab workout, I have to put like strength training, which is like not necessarily true. And now they're going to have like a whole thing just for core. And I think they, they made a whole thing about like um, recognizing different styles of dance, which obviously I'm very excited about. So, um, so like that'll definitely be, I think some good updates. Cause like, for instance, like, in ballet, like I'll start my dance thing, my like dance tracking, but like if my hands on the bar half the time, or if I'm holding a position and I'm still working super hard with the rest of my body, but my arms aren't moving that much, then it's like, it is not really accurately tracking. I think it doesn't think I'm working as hard, even though it's like checking my heart rate and stuff. So I think like being able to like fine tune, like what you're doing will be very exciting. I'm really Looking forward to I'm going to mention that in the intro, but I'm going to mention it now as well, that Brian has a guest post up on foxnomad.com, and you can take a look all about going to school in Chicago, how to prepare. So you're the dance expert. What did you think of, of that whole demo? 
<laughs> love it. We love Zumba. It was very Zumba-y, very my mom, very um, loved it. Dance party, really. I'm like, can I work for Apple? I want a demo for them, but we'll see. So <laughs> they were showing off the watch calculating how much, basically like calorie burn, I think, right? So mm -hmm. it was, if you dance just with your, with your arms, and she was just dancing with her arms. And then it was, and then it was dance with just your feet, your legs, you know, and then it was dancing with both and it was calculating how you're moving and how much energy you're burning, which I thought was, I, I don't know why, but you know, I remember that part of the whole two hours for some reason. Yeah. Just the little graphics they put like under her arms and stuff. I yeah, thought it was yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to like testing it out. And I think that that was a part of the two hour movie <laughs> yeah i mean it is basically like a two-hour movie and, and and i wish somebody would take it and cut it up into a horror movie so if anybody's watching or listening and wants to do that and send it to me i don't know i should you should do a prize or something <laughs> yeah you text the wrong person your car key boom. Happen. boom they're in <laughs> so there's a couple of things i want to get into really about as really about the blending with the new chip. And it was the watchOS, they're adding sleep tracking to watchOS in a big way, which made me wonder what's gonna happen now to all the sleep tracking apps that are already out there. And, and I think, and in, in a bigger question, you know, a lot of people don't realize that flashlight, we all have flashlight built into all of our phones, whatever platform you're on. But for a long time, that was a separate app. There wasn't, that was somebody who created an app that would turn the camera flash into a flashlight. That's where that originated from. It wasn't a flashlight originally. So many people used it that they just built it into the OS and now who downloads a flashlight app? Nobody. Nobody. Um, and there's a whole bunch of different apps like that. Um, Apple just pulled one last year. I can't remember what it did, but it's basically built in. I think it's Ope. Uh, screen dimming and turning it, you know, turning your screen yellow yeah. overnight. So Flux is one for Mac, Macs yeah. that basically no one uses now because they built it in. They blocked a couple of apps on the App Store that had that functionality right before they released their version of it. As a developer, it's kind of scary seeing yeah. the OS take more and more app yeah. stuff into the, the OS. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I use a sleep tracking app right now that I've used for like years and it's really great, but, and I don't, I, I mean, they can do tracking on the watch, but I actually just use my phone. It uses like the microphone and stuff and I just leave that next to my bed. But um, I'm, I'm definitely probably just gonna switch to using um, the Apple Watch built-in tracking. Um, but the, uh, the other problem is that like, I'm gonna have to like charge it before I go to bed enough so that it will last. And then I'm gonna have to like charge it when I wake up. And I say that I'm not even wearing it right now. It's, it's charging right now. But um, I usually just charge it overnight. But like now I'm gonna have to like charge it before I go to bed and then also charge it when I wake up. So that's another thing that I'm like, well, maybe I'm just gonna stick with my iPhone app. I don't really know. Also like, this is so like germaphobia means so very 2020, but like I would have to like switch my watch band before going into my bed with it because it's going to be like, I'm like the band that I use, I probably sweated. Like I'm maybe like touch something outside of my house and stuff. And I don't want to like 
sleep with that right next to my face so gotta gotta get another watch band for just for bedtime but yeah i use a sleep tracking app on my phone i don't think i could sleep with the watch on that's just me i don't think i could Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem very comfortable but i'm thinking like maybe like the it'll be nice to have like if i get used to it it'll be nice to have like the haptic wake up so i don't wake up anyone else that i'm around but I think that'll be a good feature because I know like Fitbits have had that for years. Um, but I'm definitely going to try it. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, let me know if, you, if, you, if it works. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to what apps they're going to have like in iOS 15. And again, they're taking things. Yeah. I mean, I'm, this is just pure developer side of me. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's almost a nightmare that Apple just recreates the functionality that you're creating. Yeah, um, which is why most of these apps, like sleep tracking apps, usually they they have a subscription model, so that you can upload your data or track it in certain ways. So, you know, they're trying to leverage, they're trying to basically monetize the user base in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that's why they there's a shift to subscriptions, honestly, because. Apple, Apple's really pushing that for developers as well. That's a big, big thing. And I think it's because they know, or not they know, but if you can't, like a flashlight app, that's, that's pretty straightforward. That's, those, those kind of things are gone. And now we're getting like sleep tracking apps. Probably for Apple users, I'm going to say most are probably just going to end up using their watch, I'm going to guess. And it's probably going to come to the phone too, eventually. Right, they, 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 it would make sense. It would build it in. So, yeah, I think it's interesting. I would love to see what those companies are going through and how they're trying to figure out what to do, how to kind of, I mean, it's not like they're immediately just don't exist, but how they're going to adapt to that. Like, yeah, and keep customers and stuff. So it'll be interesting. So I'm looking through... I do have a bunch of notes about this Universal 2, which makes it easy for you to move from your apps, macOS apps, from Intel to Apple Silicon, ARM chips. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said it's most developers, it's going to take just a couple of days to move their apps over, which it's not. <laughs> like when I heard that, I was like, nah, it's, it's no. Have you got a, t-? you know, like they were like, yeah, we've been working on this with Microsoft for months. Okay, granted, huge company, huge like Excel and stuff. Those are those are big programs, yeah. but for like indie app developers, I think it's going to take longer. It's not going to be as smooth as I think. And then they brought up Rosetta two, and I still have nightmares about Rosetta one. And Rosetta is basically when they switch from PowerPC over to Intel, you'd have all these apps that only work on PowerPC chips. So. You have to develop your apps, applications, whatever it is for the chip it's running on. That that's true of any system. A lot of people don't don't realize yeah. realize that. And so when Apple had these PowerPC chips and they switched to Intel, they developed this Rosetta. So you would, you know, basically run your PowerPC app on an Intel machine with Rosetta, and it was really just janky and like didn't work properly and it, it basically just you were like yeah I, i'm just gonna get a new a new macbook so yeah. um 
but I'm glad they have those things and maybe they'll do it better around. I mean, it's been 15 years, so, you know, maybe it'll be better around this time. Yeah, for sure. I think it's good that they are working with Microsoft. I mean, at least for their apps and seeing how that translates on such like a major like scale, because those are huge programs that are so important. So hopefully fingers crossed that it's a lot better than their last. I'm excited to see my apps running on a, on a new uh, MacBook Air or something. Like I, oh, I, I just cool. want to see what that that's like. So yeah. I'm going to be first in line to get one, at least just for testing and, and stuff. For sure. For um, sure. And I don't have any macOS apps, which right now I'm like, okay, good. I'll just wait. <laughs> yeah, I would just wait. <laughs> so this whole week, just wrapping it up, there are developer sessions. A lot of people don't know about that. Most people who aren't developers don't know that you can basically try to schedule something with an Apple engineer about widgets. For example, let's say you want to make a widget for your app, then they'll set 15 to 55 minutes, I think, and explain stuff to you in a one-on-one -on -one session, which is really cool, uh, very, very helpful for developers. Um, and those basically get booked up within about five seconds, all of these sessions that are going on all this week. Um, so there are those and there are different workshops and they posted something. And unfortunately, by the time I edit this and the episode goes out, probably everyone will know about it. There were a couple of other features that they were demoing in one of these workshops that I'm gonna tell you about. Uh, mm -hmm. One is during a call, you can mm -hmm. draw on your screen now. So you can draw things or using, like you take a photo, you know how normally you put your finger on the picture and you wanna like circle something or whatever. Well, now you, in iOS 14, you can do that without touching the phone. They, they're using the basically what they use for face detection so you can draw or write, type on your phone without actually touching it. So that's, that's, that's happening in iOS 14. The internet cut out, but we were just wrapping things up, talking about the, the workshops, developer sessions, the, the use of not being able, you know, not having to touch your phone or iPad, for example. I'm going to guess come to iPad as well. Well, actually, it probably won't work on the iPad because it doesn't have the face ID sensors. I'm guessing it uses the face ID sensors for, for writing. But well, it was on the, the iPad. The pros have the face ID, right? Or no? I thought I they think so. I don't think any of the iPads have face ID. Well, but the, the, but the pros don't have fingerprint. Good point. I'm pretty sure the pros have face ID. I'm pretty sure, but we'll, we'll fact check. Maybe, I, I don't know. I, th I think they do because I remember going to the Apple store and looking at the pros and doing face ID for fun on them because I was like, this is big. Yeah, so well, if, if they do, that means that you're watching a show or YouTube and it's on your desk and you can just pause it without touching it, which I think is pretty cool. That's so, so cool. They demoed that for about a few minutes and then they just cut it off. Video is now private. I don't know why. It'll probably come up by the time the podcast goes out, which is going to be, well, as far as anybody's concerned now, but... <laughs> it usually takes about 24 hours to to get them up and edit and all that stuff. Um, let's see. I think I think that covers most of what I had from really WWDC. 
tweet. Yeah. Screen real estate, a new chip, but new chip is still months down the line. Yeah. Probably going to be the first MacBook with uh, Intel, uh, Intel. Apple chip is coming out by the end of the year, but they've also, they've said now they've got two, maybe another year or two of Intel Mac, MacBooks as well. So all right, I'll leave you with one question. I literally have laptop camera, drone, microphone. I have so many things that don't meet the current restrictions in Turkey. But let's say you're going to go, you're going back to school, you're going to Chicago. You've got what? MacBook Air, iPhone, forget the phone, forget the portable devices. Can you travel with just MacBook Air? Do you have anything else that? I mean, I, I have an iPad. I'm trying to think, like, are there other things that are not Apple that are, I mean, I, I have my Beats, um, which I don't, I feel like that would be allowed. Um, I mean, I have, the, my iPad's probably the biggest issue. I, did I use it, like, that much in school? Like, would I need it? Maybe not. Maybe I could have, like, my family ship it to me. But, I mean, my MacBook is, like, the most important portable device. But, yeah, I, th- I think I would be fine. I'm just really trying to think is there's, if there's anything else I would need. But I don't think there would be. So I think I would be fine with just my Mac. Yeah. And if you could bring all your stuff, all your electronics, you check the iPad, right? I'm guessing. Uh, usually. Sometimes. I mean, honestly, I'd, I, leave my, I leave it in my backpack with my Mac generally. But if you had to, like, because I, I can technically fly with all this stuff. I just have to check it. Oh, oh, oh I, see. I see. So it's like a game I'm playing with my, in my head. Like, yeah. what, do, what would I check and what would I not check? Yeah, I would I would check the iPad then. I mean, I'm probably checking a bag anyway. So I would I would check the iPad with it and then hopefully that would be fine. Yeah, that's probably what I would do. I came to the conclusion I would check the drone. Okay. Check the drone. Now, I could check the microphone. No problem. Microphones are pretty sturdy, stable. I'm thinking what other stuff I have. But then I get to this thing of laptop and camera. Camera, like a lens, like I can't check it. Like I just can't, you know, and I'm just assuming nobody steals stuff because I've had things stolen out of my check bags before. So sure. I'm paranoid about it. Yeah. So, the, you know, if I'm going to place something in the middle of, a, of my bag of a suit, suitcase, whatever, it's got to be in the middle. It can't be really on the, you know, you don't want it on the touching on the exteriors. So I don't know. I would have to take the camera with me and check my laptop. That terrifies me. That, yeah. Because yeah. not only like it doesn't come arrive broken, but the damage that it would take, that might be something that just gets just, just a little bit out of place. And then a week or a month later, you've got yeah, issues not, now that you don't realize where they came from. So not worth it. It's not worth it. Oh, that's crazy. They should not consider a laptop. I mean, I guess they have to, but that's crazy. I, I don't know. I would be more fine with them telling me I can't check a bag. I just bring like three shirts or a shirt or no, no, I don't even care. I'll just buy all my clothes when I get to the, I get to my destination. Like, I don't care about that stuff. My electronics, yeah. I just can't. At least WWDC survived 2020. Came out better in 2020, I think. It was nice. For casual... People listening, I don't think it's worth watching if you're not a huge Apple fan. 
Not at all. I don't think any app event is, honestly. No. <laughs> you know, nobody cares. They want the recaps. Yeah. But if you're listening to this at this point, you've gotten this far. You're you're a huge Apple nerd, and I thank you for listening this this long. And I thank you, Brian, for uh, talking Apple again. Thank you for having me again. It's fun. So uh, we'll have to catch up again. iPhone September-ish. iPhone time. Yay. Flat, flat edges. That's, that's yeah. what's coming. I sure hope. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. Thank you, Brian, for being my guest. And I hope all of you have a good rest of your day. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.